Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. We're in the business of helping you to be your best self. Click subscribe so we can help you have more money, more success, more love, more laughter, and more time for you. I'm Pia. And I'm Kaya. Now let's get on with this episode. We are going to be building on the theme of food. We did an episode about five episodes back on food and a fantastic piece of feedback that we got from this episode was from my sister who pointed out that in the episode we had talked about people working in food businesses not being disempowered and actually being perfectly capable of chopping up a few bits of fresh vegetables um, and finishing off things with homemade salad dressings, etc. When Pia started talking about making a bone broth, I jumped in and disempowered all of you guys by saying that maybe that was a bit too advanced. And actually, she's right, because we know that there are plenty of you listening who love to cook and who are ready to take their cooking and their nutrition to the next level. In this episode, we are showing up to share with you the way that we really eat on a day-by-day basis and to get into the nuts and bolts of what are the things that we use to help us bring our A-game. Pia's going to share with you some of the technical things that she does, which she shared with me in the past. So I'm absolutely confident that you guys are going to love these tips too. I was so happy to get this feedback. (laughs) Because it is something that I've been saying for so long that people have a very disempowered belief around food. And actually, that serves food companies because it's great if nobody knows how to cook food and nobody knows how to prepare food and they've no interest in it. Then that allows these food businesses to come in and make things that are actually hurting our health. Um, whereas if we are all empowered to make these things, it's going to be a lot harder for them to sell these long shelf life, nutrient poor ultra processed foods and it is my really strong belief that if you eat good food now you stave off disease in the future and likewise if you eat bad food now you are just welcoming disease into your life further down the line I was a bit worried when I started talking about bone broth that I had gone too far but thanks to Kaya's sister I realized that it's actually okay so there's a couple of rules that I have around cooking and food preparation they're very loose rules that I just live my life by and it makes cooking enjoyable it makes it a bit easier right and so I think everybody should run their kitchen the way a professional kitchen is run which is no professional kitchen prepares food when it's go time when it's time to eat when it's their busy period every single thing has been prepped in advance I've really seen this from my clients. I've picked up so many of their tips over the years. I love this tip already. It's like you need to prep certain things in advance when you are not hungry, right? And you take that hour and it's actually a really enjoyable hour. And then when it's go time and and it's lunchtime, you you can have something on the table in like literally five minutes. I loved your emphasis on the not hungry bit there as well. When I'm hungry and I need to prep something and I'm peeling carrots, I'm actually pissed off and it sucks all the joy out of cooking. Totally. Whereas if I have a free hour or two hours on a Sunday afternoon, that's a really nice time for me to 
put some beans in the slow cooker or prep some grains or make a dressing, stuff like that. So I'll give an example of something that I just did for lunch, like literally just 30 minutes ago. So I was baking rice the other day for myself and my husband. We are having a kind of a chicken curry and I just made extra rice. And the way that I do it is I I chopped down some onions and I chopped down some aubergine and I just put them in olive oil and salt and pepper and I roast that in the oven. And then what I do is I pour rice on top. So 300 grams of rice, a cinnamon stick, uh, some cumin, something like that. And I then put in double the amount of water. So if I put in 300 grams of rice, I put in 600 grams of water, of hot water. And then you just cover it and I put it in the oven. I bake it in the oven. There was way too much rice with that for two people. So then that's my rice for the week. And then I add in a tin of lentils because I'm always trying to find ways that I can reduce the amount of carbohydrates and increase the amount of protein. I just add diversity to, to the dish. So this morning I had rice there that was already prepped it was 50% lentils 50% rice or 50% lentils and veg and then 50% rice and I had chili oil in my fridge which I, I've made I had some roasted nuts I, I get different nuts because one of another rule that I live my life by is diversity how can we increase the nutritional load of what we're making so I'm always trying to find ways to add new plants different ingredients to my dish so I would get a bag of mixed nuts. I would toss them in some kind of spice blend and I just roast them for a tiny little bit just to get them a little bit golden brown. Put that in a jar. So the chili oil is made, the nuts are in the jar, the rice is made. And all I had to do this morning or this afternoon was chop up some veg. I chopped up some mushrooms. I had some kale in the fridge, like literally looking down at those old sad bits of vegetables that you don't know what to do with. Chop them up, fried them. Then I added my rice. Then I added my chili oil. And put them into a bowl and I sprinkled over the nuts and that was lunch done. And it literally took five minutes to make. Yum. I would have whacked a poached egg on the top of that. And that would have been. So you're right. I put in, I, I did egg fried rice. So there was two eggs. Yummy. How do you make your chili oil? Oh, that was a bit more of a labor of love. I have to say, I just came across a new recipe actually months ago. And yesterday I decided to make it. Basically what you do is you fry down loads of shallots garlic, onion, shallots, garlic, and ginger until they're golden brown. And then you've flavored that lovely oil. And then you get a blend of these different spices, Korean chili flakes, which is gochujaru, things like cumin, star anise, cinnamon sticks, stuff like that, spring onions. And what you do is you get the oil really, really hot. What kind of oil? I see a lot of the chili oils you would buy in the shops. This is why I like to make my own. Totally. Would use quite unhealthy oils. And I see it in food production all the time. If I'm using a high oleic rapeseed oil, that's quite expensive. So then when we're making foods in the factory, we have to reduce it down to a sunflower oil because the retailers won't pay these prices. Sunflower oil is like one euro 50 or one euro 20 versus higher leg rapeseed oil, which would be four euro a kilo. The difference in that, it just it totally throws off your cost. So when I'm making these things at home, I can use healthier oils. Tell us a few of the healthier oils that you would use in this instance. You don't use an olive oil because it doesn't have a high smoke point and you need to get the oil hot in order to pour it over all the spices that will permeate into the chili oil. So I would use peanut oil is a really good one. Avocado oil is another really good one. 
or rapeseed oil. I use rapeseed oil because it's grown here in Ireland. So it's available and it's, it's local. They are the ones that I would recommend. Sunflower oil, the reason I don't use it is because it's not that it's so bad for you. It's just very high in omega-6 and it's in a lot of processed foods. So it is the number one choice of oil other than palm oil that people or that food companies use. So if I add it into my cooking and I'm eating it that way, I'm getting a lot of omega-6 and having too much of that. You want to have a, a more balanced omega-3 to omega-6 profile. I like to go for rapeseed oil, which has higher omega-3 content. Love that explanation. So you've given us two of your rules. The first one was about running like a professional kitchen. Mm -hmm. Don't cook when you're hungry. The second one was about diversity. I'd go into that a bit more because it's a really, really important one. We have been led to believe that we are all deficient in protein. And that's because there's a lot of very powerful food companies that can make easily make claims over something being high protein. That's specifically dairy companies and, and meat companies. So in reality, only about 2% of the Western world are deficient in protein. And you have a, like, remember there's protein in everything. There's protein in broccoli, there's protein in lentils, there's protein in rice, protein issue. But we do have a fiber crisis. Percent of the Western world are deficient in fiber. And that is how you feed your gut microbiome. It is literally the basis of health is how much fiber you get in your diet. And we are not even close to what we need. When you think about ultra processed foods, a lot of the fiber has been stripped out. So I am always trying to find ways that it's not about reducing calories in my kitchen. There are no calories in my kitchen, but I look at how can I add something to this to make it more nutritious. So I'll give you an example of that. So I would soak my porridge for me and my family the night before. The reason being is just it makes it way more digestible. I would add a much smaller amount of oats, but I would then also add some chopped up nuts. I'd add grated coconut. I would add flaxseed. I'd add chia seeds. I'd add a grated carrot, some goji berries or some raisins or something like that. All of a sudden my porridge, which before would have been oats and banana and a bit of cinnamon. Now it's got five or six different plants in it. That is really upping the amount of fiber that I'm getting in my breakfast. I want to come for breakfast at your house. <laughs> I was using two of my rules there. I'm prepping the food when I'm not hungry because no one wants to grate a carrot at half seven in the morning. No, no. You know? <laughs> and I, all I do is I put it into my pot. I put all those ingredients in and then I put in a good bit of water, more water than you think. And then I just leave it there. It doesn't even need to go in the fridge. It just can sit there. And that kind of creates a little bit of a fermentation. It's just making it way more digestible. And then the next morning I cook it and it takes me, it takes so much less time to cook because it's all been soaked and the nuts and, and everything are really soft for Enzo. So it's really nice to eat. Such a great tip. And it was reminding me when you were talking about adding more things in of what we talked about last time. And you used that word abundance. This is a time of abundance. It's such a different mindset when you're approaching your eating and you're thinking, what do I want to get on my plate rather than when you're trying to avoid things? When you're approaching it, like, where's the fiber? Where's the fat? Where's the protein on my plate right now? Where are the different kinds of vegetables? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I I think that... and I. I think back to the 90s when we had all those special K ads 
when it was all about having breakfast cereal for lunch or for two meals a day. It was all <laughs> about restriction. And I know anyone I know restriction, who has a, that was the word. Who has a bit of a, a troubled relationship with food and they tend to yo-yo diet. They are in this constant mindset of scarcity. I can't have. I'm going on a diet on Monday. I'm going to stop eating. And so what I'm saying is stop focusing on the calories start focusing on how can I add more so when I'm looking at my dish say if I'm having a rice bowl or something I go oh if I just throw on a handful of spinach that's going to be an extra plant or if I get some frozen peas and I just throw some hot water over them throw them in that's an extra plant whenever I make grains like rice or anything like that I never just do 100% rice I always fry up something some other vegetable or I'll add a tin of chickpeas or something just to add something else and make it more satiating such a great tip. The final one is in my family, we aim for 80% whole foods. For every extra percentage of whole foods you have in your diet, it's directly correlated with an increased risk of death. And I'm not saying that to scare people, but that is what the data has shown us. And you don't even need to look at the data. You just need to look around to see that our food industry is making people sick. It's making them overweight and it's making them overeat. And so they have done some really good studies where it, it was considered the gold standard in a nutrition study where they took people into an actual house. They controlled what they eat because nutrition studies tend to be quite flawed because people tend to under report what they eat. But in this, they manage the two groups diet. And I just I love this study because it just it, it paints so well the science, which is they had two groups on exactly the same diet in terms of macros so carbohydrates fats proteins they were identical in terms of calories they were identical but with one group it was all from ultra processed food sources so if they were having a lasagna they were having a pre-packaged lasagna whereas in the other group they were having a homemade lasagna same calories same everything at the end of the study the group that were on the ultra processed food diet reported constantly being hungry and they had gained weight. The group that were on the whole food diet were completely satiated. Uh, they never reported feeling hungry and they lost weight. So calories actually mean nothing. It's all these other additives. It's how the food has been processed. If you think about how things are made in a factory, they've been broken down a lot more. So if I was making porridge, say with stewed apples on top the apples are still kind of in their natural form mm. whereas when you're getting say a porridge a pre-made porridge that has apple puree in it all of the fiber has been stripped out of that apple mm. it's the processing that actually makes it get absorbed into your bloodstream much quicker you you don't get those i'm full signals as quickly so you end up overeating so interesting, isn't it? It's all of the pro processing done if, in ultra processed food is removing away the work that your body is actually designed to do when it breaks down food, breaks down fiber. And that co correlation between one making you put on weight and the other one making you feel satiated and lose weight is all of that extra work that your body is designed to do. That's it. Exactly. You've got it in one player. It's your body. We have a perfect system when this has been built over hundreds of thousands of years. And our body is supposed to do a little bit of work. And the problem with all of these ultra processed foods, and I notice when I eat them, they are very soft in texture because it's all been broken down for you. So your body doesn't have to do that extra bit of work. And that bit of work is really crucial because it's giving you that space for your belly to catch up with your brain and go, do you know what? 
I'm full. You don't need to eat anymore. So tell us about a few things that you do on a weekly basis as part of, or or maybe not a weekly basis, maybe you mix it up. Maybe it's every month, but a part of your food prep, this is more getting into something like a bone broth. Okay. So a bone, the way that I do a bone broth is because I used to hate making these. They're, to be honest, when you do them the way that I thought you do them, they're a pain in the ass. That way was me chopping up all the vegetables, getting bones, roasting them, putting them into the slow cooker. What I do now instead is whenever I am chopping veg, if I have leftover odds and ends, the end of my onion, say, for example, the tops of my leeks, the peels of all my carrots, I just put them into a bag in the freezer. There's just a bag sitting there that is always getting these offcuts put in. And then whenever I buy a roast chicken, I put the bones, I keep the bones, but I put them into the freezer. I would say maybe have three chicken carcasses and I would have a big bag of veg. When I'm ready to make a bone broth, my bones are already roasted and they're there and my veg is already prepped. So I literally just get my veg and and my bones. I put them into the slow cooker. I top it with water and I turn it on for like six hours and my bone broth is done. I just come down. it's, It's ready. That sounds absolutely amazing. How much bone broth is that giving you? That would give me maybe two two pints. And how much water are you putting in to begin with? So usually it's two chicken carcasses and it would be a bag of that veg. And then I would top it with maybe two liters of water. That's what, what I fit in my slow cooker. And what happens if you haven't got a slow cooker? You can do it in, uh, on a pot, on the hob. The reason I use a slow cooker and I encourage every single person to get one is because they use as much energy as a light bulb. So if I'm running my oven for six hours, that's going to cost me a lot of money. If I'm running my hob for six hours, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Whereas with the slow cooker, you just turn it on and it's like having your light on. It's one of, the, it's one of these things that I think for busy working parents, a slow cooker is an investment in your sanity. What else do you cook in your slow cooker? So instead of buying loads of tins of beans, because they actually can be quite expensive. I buy packets of beans from the zero waste grocery store. You don't have to soak beans that way. You just put them in the slow cooker for six hours and then they're done. I do a lot of soups and a lot of things like that, where I would just chop up the veg. I make slow cooked ragouts. So instead of my bolognese, I would do in the slow cooker. And it just means that it's doing all the hard work for me. I do need to prep some things. I might need to fry up some onions and some garlic and, and brown the meat, but then I just throw it in. Something I've been doing recently, which I have loved, I only just figured it out, is when I make a slow cooked stew. So using, say, beef short rib, uh, oxtail, something like that. And I I like to use these because they're highly nutritious, especially when you can cook with the bone in. Before, the part that I found so unappetizing about it was having to brown the meat, which makes your entire kitchen stink and your clothes (laughs) stink. And you just smell like a meat factory. What I do now is I put all my veg and everything and my aromatics and my sauce and my whatever into the slow cooker. And I use my air fryer to air to just to brown the meat. I put it on a really high temperature just for a couple of minutes till the outside is brown, but the inside is still raw. And then my meat's browned, but it's all been done in the air fryer. I haven't had to really touch it. That's a great tip. It was game changing when I did that. And now I find because it's easy, I'm making a lot more of those very hearty winter stews, which are very good for everyone but good for uh, pregnancy full of collagen as well for all the ladies out there who want nice skin what about you Kaya? Uh, I'm interested 
Before we get on to me, can you tell us about your adventure bread? So I've talked to Kai about this all the time. I'm obsessed with it. It is basically a low carb, high protein bread recipe that is full of fiber and diversity. It's got so many different plants in it. But the best thing about it is there's no kneading involved. You literally get a a baking pan. You don't even need to grease it. Like this is, it's insane. But because you're adding in a lot of ingredients like chia seeds, black seeds, psyllium husks, it's a recipe that I am obsessed with. And it's changed my life because it's so easy to prepare, yet it's, it meets all the criteria of my food rules, which it, it can be prepped in advance. It has so much fiber, it's so much diversity. So it is a low carbohydrate, high protein bread. That is basically the basis of it is a lot of sunflower seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds, and lots of different nuts. You can also add raisins and dried fruit. But what's keeping it together is psyllium husks, which is really, it's like a sponge when it goes in. So you just dump all the ingredients into a baking pan. You don't even need to grease it. And what happens is when you add the psyllium husks and then you add the water, everything just gets sucked up like a sponge. So it kind of comes away from the sides of the pan. You need to leave it for at least two hours just for that process to happen. So what I would do is I would make it the night before I dump all the ingredients in. And then the next day I'll come down, and I'll, I'll bake it. Enzo loves it. Stephen loves it. When people taste it, they go, oh my God, this must be really bad for you. This is like cake. And I'm like, no, this is really good for you. And you can, I have it either savory. I'll have it with cheese on top or I'll have it with peanut butter and banana or something. It's absolutely delicious. And if you hate baking the way I do, you can make this. So I was so impressed with this recipe that we are going to give it away free to any of you listeners who are interested in making it. There's going to be a link in the show notes and you will be able to get a recipe and make your very own She's Electric adventure bread. Nice. So Kaya, I'm interested because you have, I've always thought this about you, you have a very simple yet disciplined philosophy around food. So tell me about your food rules. I was thinking about this earlier today and I was thinking about a good way to explain it. This is what I came up with. As we talked about on the previous episode, I do as much as possible eat very simple whole foods. I like to just have loads of green veggies on my plate. I'm always trying to get leafy greens on my plate, Mm -hmm. fiber and protein, and then fat. Every meal, I'm keeping it super simple. Where are the leafy greens? Where's my protein? Where's the fiber? Then I'm putting quite a lot of olive oil over the top or I'm putting a big dollop, some sort of like coconut yogurt or something. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a fat component in there with the leafy greens to make it all taste delicious and bring it together. One of the things that I do, if you're looking to really elevate your life and your performance is looking at how can you add in and supplement the analogy that I came up with. If you were going out on a date or you had an important meeting at work, I'm betting that a lot of you would probably put on some makeup before you went into that meeting. As gorgeous as you are, when you want to look your best, you do a few simple things to enhance your already beautiful features, to make yourself feel better and to really bring your physical A game. I think that's what supplements do when you add them into your diet. A lot of people that that word is stigmatized and they think it's a... um, 
fad thing and they don't really know what it means for me it is a fundamental part of my diet there are things that I eat on a daily basis for reasons which I will get into I start every day in the same way that is that I have a few mental practices that I'm going through meditation journaling mental fitness and then what are the things that I'm going to be putting into my body like those well-being practices the first things that I put into my body on a daily basis they are always the same I sleep every night with a liter of water next to my bed the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of bed I'm, I'm going to scrape my tongue Before I drink any water, I'm getting all of the toxins that have uh, accumulated in my mouth during the night. I'm scraping my tongue. I'm getting them out of my mouth, freshening my breath, and then I'm going to hydrate. And I'm going to aim to drink that liter of water within the first hour of waking up. Often I'll drink more than a liter of water. I'm definitely going to be hydrating in that first hour. And that's also going to include a cold or a warm water with lemon in it. And I'm going to put a pinch of Himalayan salt in that too. So I'm getting in some minerals, I'm having some lemon to activate my digestion. When I'm starting to actually get other macros in there, the first thing that I have is I start every day by having a protein shake. And this has been game changing for me. I've spoken a lot about it on my own personal Instagram stories. I don't understand why protein powders are not targeted to women to mums they should be called parent powders they are one of the best things if you've got young children and you are going from zero to ten first thing in the morning a protein powder is fantastic easy thing to give yourself a nourishing breakfast something that is quick it takes one glass about 10 seconds to make it and you're giving yourself such a good nutritional start to the day it's not a bit of toast with high sugary topping it's something that's going to satiate you when I look at what I want to hit on my own protein targets in a day I take a protein powder that's got 25 grams of protein it's called Vivo Uh, raw cacao flavor I take that one because it's got 25 grams of protein it's also got a lot of other excellent things in there mushrooms some BCAAs in there it's fermented it's got turmeric it's got ginger black pepper lots of things that are going to feed my gut that are good for my body then going to have a greens powder and I take that with apple cider vinegar apple cider vinegar is an amazing thing to have every day they call it the elixir of life it's fermented it's incredible for your gut it's a probiotic I take that with a high quality greens powder because I literally just can't get enough green stuff in my mouth and I do think that giving yourself a boost of like vitamins and minerals in a food form is really fantastic rather than taking a lot of capsule vitamins a greens powder is actually it's lots of dried highly concentrated vegetables it's got spirulina and all those kinds of good things in it so that's the second thing I take if I'm going to be working out I then take some creatine and this is something that I've recently added in and this is to build muscle strength I I heard a lot of people talking about it I did some research myself I'm looking to build my muscle strength at the moment I'm doing quite a lot of strength work in my own physical exercise so I have some creatine and then I have some chia seeds I usually mix these up the night before or maybe I mix them before I do my meditation I'm mixing probably a heaped tablespoon with some water sometimes I add in a fermented collagen drink to that 
some liquid vitamin C. If it's the winter time or I'm feeling a bit unwell, that's going to be the, the next thing that I'm going to have. I love chia seeds because they are a complete food. They've got protein, they've got fiber and they've got fat in them. I'm not going to have any coffee until I've eaten that is something that Pia told me that it's really bad for women to have coffee on an empty stomach. And when I stopped doing that, I noticed that it, it made me feel a lot better. I love something that you said there that I just want to draw everyone's attention to, which is you are seeing how the food makes you feel. And this is my biggest thing is somebody giving you their advice is their, the best advice for them. It's not the best advice for you. So food is actually all about being intuitive. And Kaya has developed these practices because she's tested things. She's seen what works. She's seen what doesn't. And they make her feel good. So if you're eating something that has all these claims on it, the protein shakes, the different supplements, and you're not noticing a difference, what I'd say is don't waste your money. But you you consistently talked about that protein powder, Kaya. And when I hear what's in it, I can see why there's something more than it just protein. Um, and one of the reasons why it's probably making you feel so good, aside from all the other um, superfoods in it, is that women especially need a high protein breakfast. That is, it should be savory rather than sweet. And that is because if you give yourself a big glucose spike in the morning, it's actually not going to set you up for a good day what you end up ha- having is you have crashes throughout the day and then you crave more sweet food whereas if you just start your day on high protein so eggs I always just love having eggs one thing that I actually do is I make savory porridge a lot because porridge is just easy but I have so many nuts in there and I make it I put it in soak it in bone broth which I know sounds really <laughs> weird. people think I'm disgusting for this but like if you look at kanji which is served all over Asia it's just like a an oatmeal version of congee. And it's so delicious. It's really interesting as you say that about it being personalized and tailored to me because it comes back to that makeup analogy again. And we can look at how the colors and the types of makeup that suit somebody else, but it's about finding those things that are going to supercharge you. And I agree with you about the protein thing. Having protein first thing is such a game changer. And the reason that I really recommend just giving a protein shake a try to people is because it's so quick. If you've got young children, give it a go. So many women that I've spoken to that told me that they've tried it because we've had a conversation. Many of them come back and they're like, I really love it. I really notice that my body craves it in the morning and I just feel Mm. so good after I have it. And it's that thing that stops us going for that go-to bit of toast with jam on it, giving us anything in the morning. After I have all of those things, I go straight into breakfast, which is eggs, probably some rye bread and broccoli spinach there's always going to be like leafy greens I'm going to have some sort of Mm -hmm. greens or a salad in the morning with loads of olive oil because that just tastes delicious and as you said eggs are just amazing yeah they're a real superfood it's funny you really respond well to protein shakes I have tried protein shakes over the years and I always feel sick on them Mm. they make me feel a little bit nauseous myself and Kaya are here in the same sentence saying Definitely high protein breakfast. The data supports that. But how you get that high protein breakfast is completely up to you. Mm. Actually, mine is not a whey protein. I don't get on well with whey protein. Mm. And I have tried a a few different brands. I do think that makes a difference with anything. Here says it's about going for like, what is the highest quality thing that you can afford within your diet? How can you get the highest quality product? Most of the time, it's going to be through making something yourself. It's not going to be through buying something pre-made. 
Mm. But if you don't have time and if you find that you're reaching for the, the toast and jam, and if you were to have something in a drink form and would allow you to get that high protein breakfast, go for that. I'm not against those things. For me, I think food should be easy and the healthiest option should be the easiest option. Yeah. One of the things that I find really weird about the West is this concept of breakfast food. It's this genre that's being created. And it's usually sweet. (laughs) Anything that's labeled as a breakfast food, I'm probably going to steer well clear of. I'd say the one exception to that of something that I probably only have for breakfast that I don't have for other meals is porridge. I I think that you can approach your breakfast in the same way that you would approach any other meal. Completely. And I'm so glad to hear you say this because it's in the Western world, it is we, we have this weird relationship with breakfast and actually it's such an important meal to have savory. I would actually eat leftover dinner for breakfast and my friends all think I'm really weird for that. And I'm like, but it's when I'm hungriest is actually in the morning. So that's what I want that big hit of calories. Definitely. I love to have leftovers for breakfast. I'm always making extra steamed veg for my dinner. I cook the entire vegetable, whether it's a broccoli or a cauliflower, make extra steamed veg. And then in the morning, I eat that cold with some olive oil, salt on top. I mm. like to have something like sauerkraut, something fermented. If I've got yes. some extra leafy greens, I'm going to shove that on there. And then the go-to favorite, eggs. Yes. Do you have eggs every morning? Uh, I have eggs pretty much every single day. And I do also have a lot of sardines. Yeah, you and I are complete advocates of sardines because they're super cheap. They're so nutritionally dense. Right. And and I, pe- people are just grossed out by them. But when you prepare them right and you get a kind of a nice brand, there's a beautiful brand in Ireland called Shines for anyone based out here. And they are so tasty. Yeah. And I think the reason that both you and I are fans of eggs and of sardines is because they are cheap. They are high quality and they are really nutritional and they are quick. Exactly. Like literally with sardines, I just spread them on some bread. So my adventure bread, I put sardines on them and some lemon juice and I might chop up some spring onion um, and olive oil and it's so good. I think it's a great tip to just have things in your fridge that you like to eat raw I love cucumber my husband hates it I nearly always have some chopped up cucumber on my plate I also love raw fennel you were talking about carrot but if you've got those go-to vegetables that you can just quickly chop up to add something fresh to your plate even spring onions it's all adding to the palate of what you're eating and those things elevate your experience of the food that you have it also reduces your glucose response if you want the science behind it so if you start your meal with raw veg this is developed across a lot of cultures would do this so you've got crudités in France and um, you've got pickled veg at the start of a meal in, in Asia. And the reason for that is actually because it does aid your digestion and the vegetables go in the, all the cellulose fiber that's within the vegetables spread out into your stomach and they lines your stomach. So then when you put in the fattiness and the protein and all these much richer kind of components, it releases into your bloodstream slower. So you don't get that massive glucose spike. So interesting to hear you say that, Kaya, because I didn't know that. When I'm <clears throat> preparing dinner or something, I will chop up some cucumbers, some carrots, and myself and Enzo will sit there and eat them just while I'm making food and it's getting our digestion ready for the meal. And the VIP tip to add on the top of that is put a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar on that. Oh. And it's a prebiotic and it comes back to that insulin spike. If I'm going to have something sweet before, I'll have a glass of water with a tablespoon yes. of apple cider vinegar. Because the way that your body reacts to the sugar, you don't get the same kind of glucose spike. If you've primed yourself by having the best thing is raw vegetables mixed with apple cider vinegar. So it could be those grated carrots that you've prepped. 
or mm-hmm. it could be some cucumbers or if you don't have time just a glass of water with some apple cider vinegar in that's a cool tip i'm te- definitely going to be taking that and one thing i will say is kaya has the most amazing skin she literally hasn't got a wrinkle so all these things that she's doing is obviously working thank you for saying that you know what that's a great point that you bring up because I think from a vanity perspective, a lot of the things that I have in my diet, the reason that I have them is that they make me feel good. One of the ways that I'm judging how I feel is by the way that I look. Mm-hmm. If something makes my skin look amazing, I'm going to eat. I'm going to be like stuffing my face with it. There are some things that you can tell that they're good for you because they make you look so healthy. Ground flax seeds. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Flaxseed yeah. oil. Like these things are like beauty, chia seeds, beauty, they're beauty foods. Oh, completely better than any really expensive cream that you slather all over your face. And it's one thing I say to a lot of my clients who are in the kind of dessert space or bakery space, which is when consumers figure out about glycation, which is basically where you get a glucose spike. And what happens is that's the glycation is it breaking down your collagen in your skin. And so sugar and really sweet products that give us those glucose spikes are aging us and I was like when women figure this out you are going to have a problem on your hands so we need to start moving you away from these really sweet really sugar loaded products into something that has sweetness but it's encased in fiber this is such a beautiful note for us to end on what are your favorite sweet treats (laughs) what are mine oh I have actually gone on quite a journey to to change my relationship with sugar so before I really felt I had a sugar addiction I was a total sugar addict and once I had something especially an ultra processed food so like kinder choco bonbons things like that kinder bueno once I had one I just couldn't stop and I didn't like that I didn't feel in control when I ate them so I did this course seven days to breaking up with sugar which was all about mindset it was all about noticing how you feel when you have the sugar And what I realized was that first spoonful was amazing, like ice cream. Oh, my God, ice cream. As as I was having each spoonful, I was realizing that it wasn't actually making me feel great. And then 20 minutes later, feeling really sluggish and really horrible. And this whole course was all about getting you mindful of that. So sugar in that very intense form where you have a lot of these ultra processed foods that have so much sugar in them. I actually don't crave that stuff anymore. So what I tend to do is I would make a lot of breakfast cookies which have loads of oats and chia seeds and black seeds and I put in dark chocolate drops and for me and I, I mash up bananas and that's what for me I get the sweetness from that I'm a really big fan of having these things available like that they're easy to get I'd make dates I'd put peanut butter in the middle and then I'd dip them in chocolate and then I put them in my freezer and then whenever I want them they're just there literally salivating If you have 20 minutes on a Saturday, please just make them because they are, they taste better than any sweet I've ever had. And you get such a massive hit of sweetness. They don't feel like a health food. Um, And then another thing that I actually do, which I've only been doing recently is I make my own trail mix. So I'll buy those packs. You can get them in the discounters for nothing where you can get a mix of different nuts and different raisins. I'll buy a sneaky pack of Smarties or something like that, chocolate covered raisins, and I mix them all in together. So there's quite a lot of nuts in there, but there there's a good hit of the Smarties and the raisins. And it's just, it gives me that sugar hit when I want something, but I don't feel like I'm getting that disgusting sugar hangover afterwards. So that's my sweet treats. And then when I'm really feeling like, 
I want a treat and I'm feeling tired, that's when I'd reach for the ice cream. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do love ice cream. Yes. What about you, Kaya? It's funny. We've got quite a few similar ones. I think one of my favorites mid-afternoon, if I'm feeling a bit peaky, is that I love a banana with peanut butter. And I literally just get the jar and I have big blobs. I just eat the banana and just put big blobs of peanut butter on it. I find it interesting because a lot of the time it really satiates me and it's so delicious. It's that sweet and it's that sweet and salty combination. And it doesn't sound that naughty, but it is chewy. It's rich and delicious. It's Mm -hmm. like a Snickers bar. And if I didn't have that, I'd be wanting some sort of chocolate. I always have like my favorite chocolate is 85% dark chocolate. I always have bars in the house and I don't like to restrict myself so I can have as much of that as I want and there are Mm -hmm. days when I do eat a whole bar and Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that because it's 85% cacao I'd say most days I'm going to be eating a couple of bros of one of those chocolate bars the other things that I absolutely love are dates I think it's such a great thing to have in your house because when you do need something sweet if you have a date it just gives you that hit I also really love maple syrup it's so delicious it has such a great taste and it's very indulgent to just have like I love coconut yogurt. So for me, like an indulgent treat is like a bowl of coconut yogurt. And I hear you about the ice cream and I'm a big ice cream fiend. I just don't even want to have it in the house. I I know. I can't control myself. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if I buy myself coconut yogurt, good one, it's expensive. If I give myself that massive bowl of coconut yogurt with some delicious seeds or some cacao nibs sprinkled on top and then have some maple syrup, it's like ice cream anyway. It's a wild time. I'm going to do that. I literally had a bowl of haagen last night because it was left over in the freezer and I felt shit after it. Mm. And it's like when I have something like that, I don't feel shit. One of the things I'm just preempting what people might be thinking at home, which is look at those two assholes with their healthy diet. And I'm sneaking gummy bears in the car every day. How am I supposed to get from there to where we are? And one of the things I'll say is that slowly reducing my infatuation and my obsession with sugar it took a bit of time it took me getting really mindful on how the sugar was making me feel and what the best word I can describe is a hangover the amazing thing though is that you can actually change your palate in seven days they've proven that so if you have a lot of sugar in your tea literally you can have no sugar in your tea and be disgusted by the amount of sugar you had in your tea by the end of seven days it's that quick but it just means that you start to slowly reduce these things. So one piece of advice I'd give is if you're having your porridge in the morning and you're putting loads of honey on it, I used to saturate my porridge in honey. Now I don't put any honey on it because it's too sweet. It just feels too sweet and it's giving me that sugar spike. What was coming up for me as you were saying that is a big part of it is preparation. I think you've, again got to take responsibility for how you are prepared for when you are going to feel a sugar craving come on. If you've got a banana next to you and you eat it and you have some like nuts that feel really delicious, like I love pecan nuts. They feel so indulgent. They just make everything taste yeah. like a dessert. Like maple, they taste like maple syrup. It's yeah, amazing. they're just, they're so good. If you have those treat things with you, a banana is very sweet. So dates are very, very sweet and you've got mm. some really nice nuts then you're less likely to go for the chocolate bar. Part of the problem is that a lot of the time we're not prepared. Every time that we walk into a shop, all of those high sugar snacks are like right in front of us. And when we're tired and we're weak and we need something, they're all there ready and waiting. Oh, for God, you're so right. And when I go out and I'm in the petrol station and I'm pissed off and I'm tired, 
that's when I grab the snacks. And that's why I just hate the food industry that we've created where it's making the unhealthy option the easy option. And really, we need to change it. I would love to see our petrol stations filled with trail mixes and nuts and seeds and healthy things as opposed to loads of chocolate bars. So leaving you today with the sentiment of how can you set yourself up for success in the way that you approach food? What little tricks can you do to prepare yourself for that sugar craving? And how could you bring some of the advanced cooking that Pia talked about today into your weekly routine? Is that something that could be your new hobby or is it something that completely freaks you out? Either way, have a think about it. And what we will do is we will share my recipe for the She's Electric Adventure Bread in the show notes. And please, it may seem like a lot of ingredients, but it couldn't be easier. So please give it a try. Thank you for giving us your time. Did you know that you could change someone's day to day just by sharing this episode? Our mission is to help women. We all want more money, more success, more love, more laughter and more time for ourselves. Women Helping Women is how we're going to get there. 